What's going on, guys? Welcome to River City 93, brought to you by Roughneck Scarves, Icarus FC, and of course, for the culture. This is your host, as always, Elliot Barr, and joining me is my good man, Shanae Duran II. And we are back after a Greenville, I was about to say Greenville win. <laughs> I gotta remember what kind of podcast this is. <laughs> um, a Richmond Kickers 2 1 win. I feel like 2 1 is becoming. Like, the new scoreline for us. It's very common. I need to play the lottery. <laughs> Maybe <I> pick three. <laughs> Maybe I need to play it. Um, but, yeah, Richmond gets a good win um, against Greenville. Of course, you know, we're going to talk about the game. Of course, the goal scored, impactful players, all that stuff. But um, for those who's been following us on social media and been asking how we've been doing, um, to be real with you, we haven't been doing well. Um, a lot of things have been going on, and we – kind of came to the decision together to use our social media over um, this past weekend to highlight programs in the city of Richmond that are impacting change um, from like On Touch, Futsal, uh, Girls for a Change, um, all the arts. You can find us, find that on our Twitter um, at RiverCity93. Um, but before we get into the game and whatnot, for real, it's... It hasn't been a good past couple of days, weeks, or months for us, the black community. It's just been hard, man. Yeah, it's it's been. I think things have fi- have finally gotten to a head with the uh, racial issues going on in this country. Things have gotten to a point where I think, thankfully, not only the black community is in the mindset of enough is enough. Um, The thing that bothers me the most is that even though more voices are saying enough is enough, nothing's changing. Um, Violence against the black community is still rampant. Um, People within law enforcement still feel that they're safe from scrutiny when attacking the black community. And if there needs to be change, there needs to be, in my opinion, a change of that culture. Um, For me, I think it stems from the clan aspect of the law enforcement community and how regardless of what anyone within law enforcement does, they will all turn a blind eye to it and stand together. Um, You have a lot of police officers of color and white who feel that they cannot voice criticism against their fellow police officers for some things they do because of that kind of clan mentality. So that that to me is where a lot of the problems stem and that there needs to be a fear of repercussion yeah. instilled in police officers. I mean, at the end of the day, you're supposed to be the best of the best, yet you don't feel that there's anything wrong with some of the stuff that's been going on lately. It's are you are you the best of the best? And if you, if you, as one of them who feels that you are behaving as the best of the best, where is your voice in this time where your peers are behaving poorly, yeah. are killing people for nothing, left and right? 
it's it's really it's rough. Um, it's rough and it's sad. And like the thing about it is, it's like I'm a teacher, so if I go out here and all these students fail my class, administration not gonna look at the kids and be like, "You failed, get over it." They gonna come to me because I'm the one that's in charge of this. Yeah, you know and. For those, you know, I ain't gonna say it for those who don't know. Everyone should know what's going on by now. We got cell phones, we got internet, we got TV. You, you should know. You should pick up a newspaper and know. A man was shot seven times in the back in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And regardless of what he did, and it, to be real with you, I have it. It hurts because of the fact that a black man got shot seven times in the back. He wasn't a danger to anyone. He wasn't putting anyone in any kind of harm. Literally walking to his car. And the policeman held him and just shot. Just kept shooting. But they take Dalen Roof, who killed nine people. Nine people in Bible study, man. <clears throat> and put them in a bulletproof vest and took them to Burger King. And he got, Dalen Roof got better treatment than a black man who got shot seven times in the pack. And I, I hope y'all hear the hurt of my voice because I'm, I'm tired, man. It's 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 hurtful, man. Like growing up as a black man in America, it's like really like we really have to be in our p's and q's day in day out. It's it's a stressful life. <laughs> it's it's nowhere. It's not the same at all. As, you know, growing up white in this country. At the end of the day, some of the things that I have seen with regards to the way some people talk to law enforcement. And I think to myself. If that was me? Exactly. Exactly. If that was me. If I had said half of the stuff that this guy is saying to police officers. I would have been in a body bag by now. Yeah, man. It, and it's 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 wrong. It's wrong. And it's not even like I'm saying that these people who are speaking to police officers in a certain way are wrong. They are voicing, you know, injustices that police officers may be doing to them personally. They are telling them what they know by law that the police officer can and can't do. I can't do that. No. The law doesn't protect me. <laughs> yeah. And that's that is the biggest problem. The law, if you're going to show me, if the law is supposed to be portrayed by a woman in a robe with a blindfold on, then I should be protected by the law the same way that guy is. Yeah. Because if the law is blind, why are black people getting killed left and right for petty sh- petty nonsense? And this is more than just getting killed by the police. It's a whole thing of systematic racism, systematic oppression, not having an equal footing as our counterparts. And the thing is, I get tired of people saying that the system broken and needs to be fixed. The system's not broken. It's designed to fit, to protect those and help those who it was designed for. When they wrote the U.S. Constitution, it wasn't designed for African-American people. No. We were considered three-fifths of a person. For those who don't know what three-fifths mean, that pretty much says it took five black people to count as three people total. Five people to count as three total. Three-fifths. In terms of voting yeah. and things of that nature. So, yeah. I mean... Like, we had rules such as Jim Crow. Established. It wasn't like Jim Crow was like 120 years ago. This was literally in 1960 that it got it. 
Yeah, that's about what sixty years ago, right? Like, yo, my my mom, born and raised in Richmond. You know, my mom, one of the most elegant, smartest people you would ever find in this world, couldn't go to certain parts of Richmond. Mind you, she's a two-time master, like has two master's degrees. She couldn't go to University of Richmond because of the color of her skin. Yeah. And enrolled in a program, that even though she had two master's degrees. Well, like, I mean, the, the thing is, nowadays, the, the reason why you have a lot of people that are feeling that, oh, well, things aren't like that anymore. Yes and no. Um, they turn a blind eye to to, to, to to educate people a little bit on how that has changed. It has changed, but not for the better. Racism is still here. It just comes second to money. Yeah. The the so for the most part, the only color that matters is green. Yeah. After that, after the green is taken care of, then we're in a disadvantage. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing about it too, man, is is. Oh man, it, it's just so hard to just do this. Um, <laughs> but it, the other part about it is, man, when these clubs, when these CEOs, when these companies put out these statements, it's hollow. Like it does feel hollow. It um, feels hollow. It, it, like I was, I was telling you about this at the Kickers game, man. And this is why I gotta say, like, I really do love the Red Army, the supporters group, and Scuffle Town a lot because they reached out to us and was just like, yo, you not like you're not alone. Like what we, what can we do? Yeah, what can we do to be proactive? Not just sit yeah. on our hands and just be like, all right, I told you I'm sorry. <laughs> and that, and that's the thing. Like black people not saying that we when we say black lives matter, we're not saying that we're more important. Because if you want to be real, black people can really sit here and be like we Developed that we fixed that we did this we're not glo- like we're literally saying black lives are important and it, it it actually reminds me when the f- the first wave of the black lives matter movement came about um around the time of um um what was his name in florida trayvon martin, trayvon martin. Yeah. um and that's actually, sad that we can't even remember his name because of the countless victims that ca- exactly like the, the names happening. are stacking up the like names are stacking up man uh, but I, I, growing up in in Massachusetts, um, my next door neighbor was a detective. Um, he was a black man, and at one point, he was on a radio program, um, actually a radio program hosted by my mother, um, where they were discussing the Black Lives Matter movement issue and and how people have been, you know, kind of looking down on the name Black Lives Matter. And he basically voiced it perfectly. He said, at the end of the day, um, the black, black Lives Matter is a way of saying, just consider me. That's consider me. Like, at the end of the day, consider me your equal. If you would not... Let me give you an example. If you see someone who's in the same family bracket as you when i say family bracket i mean probably the same amount as kids as you a same expenses that are needed to survive in a family as you and you're set and you got you know your job and whatever and this person is probably just moving into your area and trying to get settled in 
and is looking for a job, are you going to, if that person is white, are you going to refer that person to a job that will not help them, you know, get to the point where they can take care of their family? Or are you going to sit there and say, no, that's not good enough for John or whatever. You know, that's not good enough. I need to find something else. That won't be good enough. At the end of the day, if you would, wouldn't do that, for your fellow white new neighbor. Don't do that to me. Don't say, oh, well, you can work at Starbucks. Starbucks isn't going to feed my kid. Yeah. Starbucks isn't going to put food on the table for my wife and son. Yeah. And and you know that. And that's the crazy thing about it, man. Like, you, like, we, we friends, we're both married. Yeah. To beautiful women. But you have a son. And you having to have that conversation with your son about, like, we both grew up in black households where our parents literally had to tell us, like, this is how you talk to police. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much, don't do anything so you can come home and let us deal with it. You know? Yes. Like, and I can only imagine, like... Seeing a police shooting is pretty much PTSD in the black community because yeah. it's like I'm reliving this again. And growing up in Southside Richmond, seeing friends that you know been shot by police, I had to deal with police brutality. Yeah. Like it's a hard thing to go through, man. And you having to see that and relive it again, and that's when you get to the point and you're just like, and I mean, does any of this matter? Exactly. Like, what, At our age, you know. Having to see this over and over again is is one thing, but then I I just think about after the the Floyd uh, incident, I really had hope. I did. I mean, I really and, had hope and here's the thing. Change. Here's the thing. When you have a big time soccer player, DeAndre Yedlin, tweeting that it really hit home to him. How he's in Newcastle, Newcastle, England, <laughs> and his grandfather, not his father, his grandfather, who took part in sit-ins and boycotts in the 60s, is texting him and telling him, I'm glad you're not in the United States right now because I would fear for your life as a black man. Yeah, it's tough, man. And, and to think that, okay, this man is one of the people that laid the groundwork, that put in time, put his life at risk to fight for rights that are rightfully ours. Yeah. And what, 60 years later, he still has to fear for his grandson's life just because of his co- the color of his skin. Yeah. It's, it's shameful. It's, it's shameful. It's sad. It's, it's, it's really, really, really to the point where We've gotten to the point where you have a lot, a lot, a lot of people looking back at the whole taking a knee incident and saying, well, (laughs) he had a point. (laughs) And that's the other thing, too, about it. Um, For those who don't know, this past weekend, NBA, MLS, um, I ain't going to give credit to MLS because they did a horrible job handling it. The teams in MLS, um, NHL, USL. And all other sports across the league pretty much decided like they were gonna strike and postpone games to raise awareness for this issue. 
And instead of people sitting here, and I know not everyone's in agreement with it because if you don't understand the situation, your first knee-jerk reaction might be like, well, why are the players striking out? Like, you know, you need you got to sit there and understand why these players are doing this. Because to be real with you, they don't have to be doing this. No, they don't. Like, and the but, thing about... But we need to, to remember, especially if you look, for example, at the NBA, where the majority of NBA players are black. Yeah. Why would you why do you think I would want to entertain you when you don't treat my people with respect? Yeah. And that's, and that's thing, what that's man. what people that's, need that's, to think about. Shanir, I thank you so much for saying that, man, because <laughs> oh, that's I, the thing. I am not going to stand here and put on a show for you if you don't respect my people. And that's the other thing too. Like a lot of people are saying, well, they get paid to play sports. And people don't understand the negative and historical connotation of saying you get you entertain me. You're not entertaining me. Because it pretty much goes back to black people were brought over here to do work and we weren't getting paid for it. It gets brought back to menstrual shows and how white people would dress up in blackface and depict black people mm-hmm. and we weren't getting paid for it. It goes back to the 1920s when you had the roaring 20s and black people weren't getting paid fairly for being movie actors, for being in the jazz halls, things like that. Yes. So these, And the thing is, for athletes... That decided not to protest. Like our home club. Richmond kids. They decided to play. And no means do I discredit them at all. Because I know like where they stand. I know where their, where their headspace is at. Like players like Mumbai. Um, Debussy. R- Riley Kraft. You know Luke Pavone. Those players I know where their hearts at. Yeah. And the rest of the team. Because. you When you do stuff like that man. You're not doing it because you want to be seen. You want to be heard. You're doing it because you, like... You want to make a statement. Like, it really has to stop, The statement is, if this continues, this will be a regular occurrence. Because one thing that... And the thing is, like... And I think (laughs) we can can say that there is a difference now between today and the 20s is also, for example, if, you know, with you saying, for example, jazz musicians and and actors not being paid fairly for... um, Playing, doing the same work or sometimes even more than their white counterparts they had no choice but to continue because it was their bread and butter they done messed up now because NBA players are getting paid enough that they can say I'm not playing this weekend Yeah, and it won't hurt them that much financially so they are in a situation where they can they have more freedom to make a stand to make a statement, to get the point across that enough is enough. So at the end of the day, it's it's time for America to stop talking and start listening. And that's the whole thing, man. The black community isn't saying, we don't care what you got to say. We don't care what you bring to the table. We, like, yo, we just seriously saying, meet us at the table and listen to what we have to say. And what Here's we're going pain. through. If you can hear the pain that's in me and Shanir's voice right now, Understand where we're go- like. Try to fathom what we're going through, and what one thing and put I put that do... in two hundred years. Like this is the other thing about it, and I, I, I was thinking about it, man. I've been reluctant to do things like DNA, dot com, and things like that because of the fact I can only trace my family history up to a certain point. Yep. After that point. It's, it's lost. Like, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. But there's a whole group of people out here that would tell you, 
oh, get over it. Slavery happened 200 years ago. Why are you still bringing it up? Why are you still bringing up racism? <laughs> racism isn't a thing. White Just, privilege is a thing. I know it may sound frivolous, but this like, is coming like from that. someone who actually has a family crest. I don't have that luxury yeah, of having a family crest. Why? Because when I reach to a certain point, my history is lost. It's gone. It's gone, man. So, and that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, that pain is something that it, it doesn't go away easy, man. And, and to be honest with you, I personally <laughs> feel that I don't have as much stake and I'm not as badly affected as you are because of my Caribbean ancestry, because of the fact that my parents are Haitian. And I have that to hold on to. Um, yes, you know, Jamaicans, Trinidadians, Haitians, Bayesians, you know, us Caribbean folk and, and, and Latin Americans, we do have that sense of lost history, but at least because of the fact that we are now in countries where we are the majority, we were able to start over. Black America doesn't have the luxury of being able to start over because we are in the minority. One thing my grandma always told me, and it's still true to me to this day, is we have to work twice as hard to get half of what they have. Yes, and that is again, that is because that there is no way for the Black American to start over the same way a Haitian Amer a, a Haitian has because we were able to basically kick the white slave owners completely off the island and say, all right, we don't know where we came from, but at least we can start over here. Yeah. You know, we had that, we had that ability to do that. But the country, the size of the United States, there's no way black America is kicking white America out of this country <laughs> and starting over. And now you have to create a home as a minority. It's much harder. And when that majority is still, it, when the system is built to keep you as a minority, not only in terms of population, but in terms of your value, in terms of what you, what the respect level you get, it's hard. It's hard. And that is one thing that I feel that it's very hard for white America to understand. Not only that. And there's some people out there that do understand. I don't mean to touch you. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. There's some people out there that do understand. And this will be my last one. And after I, I'm over here, I, I'm tearing up and I can't be <laughs> crying on the podcast, man. People don't want to hear that. Um, but it goes to the point that I made on Twitter about our white counterparts in the soccer industry and media industry that have a voice. Mm -hmm. Don't come ask me and other black writers like you or like Chris Walker or For the Culture or Kyle to come onto your show or interview us and ask us how was how we feel. How can we make things better? And then you just sit there in the background and don't say anything. Yeah. Like use your voice. Yes, you might not know what we're going through. You might not be able to feel it. Mm -hmm. But you have a voice. And if you can sit there and write all these articles and do all these YouTube videos and have all these tweets about how U.S. soccer sucks. We need pro-rail. We need this in American soccer. Why don't we value this? But are you quiet on social justice issues? Where do, where do your priorities lie? Is yeah, my like, I know... I, I know I, that sounds a bit like a challenge, but... No, yes, I, it's I, a challenge. It, it's a challenge. Real, Where do your priorities thing? lie if you're so loud with what needs to change in American soccer? 
let's let's find out what what needs to change in America. Period. Yeah. Because the thing about it is, man, like teams like teams in USL, they ain't put out nothing. Then they yeah. say nothing. There like, are some teams. Yeah, there are some teams that have like you know, I know where you you were so quick to put out a Black Lives Matter post, but now when it comes time to put in some action and do something, you're not saying anything, man. Like, don't get me wrong. A post feels great. A statement feels great. But in the black community, I need to see some action behind your words. Exactly. And my other thing about it is, is like, if you say, oh, we do this in the community, we do that in the community. But no one, if you keep, if you get, if people keep asking the question, what do you do? That means you're not doing enough. Yeah. Or your impact is small. Because your impact should speak for itself. Yeah. I shouldn't have to go ask a thousand people, what do you do? To figure out what you do. Yeah. You know? Like, that, that's that's my whole thing. But, I just want to say, I, I, I love you, Shanir. <laughs> <laughs> you, over the year of us doing this podcast, man, not only have our fans become tight, we became tight, but being in this soccer industry, it's good to know that you have someone that experiences what you go through on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, I just really thank you, man. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same for me just to be able to talk to somebody about these issues that fully understands where I don't have to overly explain. Yeah. I, because you get it. You you get what I'm going through. You get what I'm what I'm dealing with. And you deal with even more than I do. Because wh- where I grew up and how I grew up and with the culture that I grew up in, it, there are certain things that I didn't have to deal with that you did. Yeah. And, but one thing that I do want to say, I mean, most of what we have been talking about has been directed at, you know, challenging white America to think about what is going on and challenging white America to, to help in the cause. But one thing I do want to say turning to black America is patience. And there, there needs to be that patience of, of, of making sure that we realize that all of this stuff that we're saying, they may not completely get it because there's no precedent for them. We need to be patient. We need to be patient and make sure that we paint the picture as clearly as we can so that the understanding can be full. And I mean, it's it's a tough situation and it's been going on for hundreds of years. Yeah. To be honest with you. And the thing is, it's not going to be done in one day. But the thing is, is like, just. Where do we go from here? And Not even where we go from here, but just more of. If you say you're an ally, show you're an ally, man. Yeah. Walk, walk the talk. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Um, this episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Yeah, we've been going at it for 30 minutes. <laughs> Some of that guy had to get cut. Um, <laughs> but let's go on and let's hop in the game, man. Richmond Kickers 2-1 over Greenville. You gonna pep the podcast back up? Look, look, <laughs> I'm, I'm, 
I'm happy. That is four wins in a row, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, man. Four First time wins that we had in a row. A four game winning streak since 2016. That's big. The since last time we made the playoffs. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that was when the Richmond Kickers had the longest unbeaten streak I don't think in so. the history of U.S. soccer. Or I was that no. the year before? I think that might have been a year. I think, oh, no, that was a few years yeah. before. I think that was 2013 or yeah, something. Yeah, I think that's 2013. I, 2016, if memory serves me right, that's the last time we made the playoffs. Yes. First round exit to Louisville. Um, I got to say, man, I'm I'm wildly impressed by this team. Definitely on the field. Um, I don't know. And before we get into the goals and everything, I got to say, there's two moments in this game where I really think Really put the outline of this game at for a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think it really helped the kickers out. One, the 34th minute where we kind of lost the ball in our own end. Mm-hmm. I forgot who stole the ball, but one degree, but he pretty much takes the shot to go. Ivan clears it off the line. Lex, oh my goodness, Ivan was. But yeah, I think that's <laughs> a real moment because at that moment the game's one one. Yes. If that ball goes in, it's two one. It, Everyone know how Greenville, you get Greenville a lead, they're locking it down, shutting up shop. You're not scoring. Yeah. So, I think with us being one way, it kind of gave us that momentum of like, oh, we got this. Like, if, <laughs> versus game one and game two against Richmond and Greenville, you saw two completely different teams. Well, again, it's, it's like you talked about with when we were doing the preview for this game. Greenville already had, what, one or two games under their belt? Uh, yeah, because they played Revs at Revs midweek, which was a loss. Yeah. Yeah, so they came already. Already having played a game where they can kind of work out the kinks and figure out what's been going on. and we. Oh, you're had... talking about the start? Yeah. Yeah, they played Fort Lauderdale. They played I thought Fort you were Lauderdale. talking about this No, no, yeah. I'm saying for, for the first time, they, had, they already had a game under their belt. They already had a game to realize, okay, this is what things are going to look like. Here's how we can tweak things. We hadn't had a game yet. And <laughs> that's, that, that was our trial run. Our trial run against we their were supposed second. to, but COVID said, "Nah, bro." Exactly. We had, wasn't it two games that got canceled? Yeah, <laughs> two ga- two false starts, <laughs> and we're we, this is the rough draft, and Greenville are already on second draft. Yeah. So, I I feel that uh, to a certain extent, I don't really count that loss as a, a, a legitimate loss because of that, because of the fact because. Yeah, it, I think people can underestimate how much that can affect things. Because you're going into this green, okay, how are we going to play together? Is this going to work? Do we know what we're doing together? You don't know. While this team already done figured out how to play together. <laughs> and the thing was, the reason why Reba got their three goals is because really two mistakes. You know, Riley Craft misplayed ball to Matt Baldoff, led to one goal, and yeah. then the scramble that happened in the box. I think in this game, Richmond eliminated their mistakes and showed that, hey, we are a, a very competitive team. Yes. I mean, back to the moment in the 34th moment, I, if Yvonne does not get that ball off the line, I think it changes the psyche of the Richmond kickers. But since they got that, if we're able to get the equalize, I mean, go ahead at the end of halftime, it that changes, changes everything. Because that changes the, the game. Half, Grew up maybe out of what one chance? Yeah, they. I think they had just one. Didn't really look like they were going to do anything, and I mean, don't. I'm not knocking taking anything away from Greenville in in the course of this game, but when you when there you, was a sense of organization. Yeah, with it the was. And, and even though we went down a man, it didn't feel like 
It did feel like the Fort Lauderdale game where we were just like, oh boy, <laughs> this is about to be fun. <laughs> yeah. No, but another thing is, one thing that I did notice is, as opposed to the previous games that the kickers have played so far, this team to on, on, on against Greenville looked more free. Yes. In a sense that, okay, we know what system we're playing. Now let's get creative and have some fun with it. And I think the games before were very strict, very clean cut, very, okay, I need to make sure I know what I'm doing. I need to make sure I'm doing things exactly the way we're supposed to do them. But now it's like we're used to it now. It's like the shackles came off. And they're like, all right, let's go. Let's have some fun out here. And I think we even saw the tweaks within Darren Sesson because the first couple of games, this team was super high up the field, high pressing, but you saw holes in the midfield. Yes. I don't see those holes as much anymore. Or they're less noticeable. And we're not losing the ball in moments where, oh, this could be dangerous because that's yeah. always covered. Mm-hmm. I think a huge part, and I mean, granted, people are always going to point out Emiliano. He deserves all his credit in the world. I think credit has to be given out to Victor Flack. For the job that he's done in the midfield, oh, he taught, he almost had a ch- he almost he knocked one in too, <laughs> and th- th- it was that moment that made me realize. I was like, "When's the last time Falk actually had an opportunity like that?" I think because of there's that freedom, he's like, well, "Go ahead and give it yeah. a shot," you know. But also, <laughs> also players like Luke Pavone, who granted, I w- I'm going to joke on Luke for a minute. I think Luke is going to lead the league in shots hit off the woodwork. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know who he has. Look, to I guarantee, I guarantee you, Luke's first goal is gonna be. He got to go kiss the goal. It's go, it's gonna be off the post and in. <laughs> no way, his luck. Right now, it probably is. It's gonna but, be his first goal is gonna be off the post and in. <laughs> but with his ability, with, with it, he's not afraid to chase anyone. Down. No, he's not. But I think like having players like that in a system that which Darren has put up has changed a lot of the Richmond kickers. Yes. And I mean, like the first goal, for instance, Matt Bulldog. I don't know who decided to put Matt in the gym. <laughs> Whoever did, Matt done thank been you. pushing some iron, man. <laughs> he been pushing some iron because he. Who was it that he? Uh, I think it was Tyler uh, Pollock. I, he, I mean, granted, he's on the sideline. Bodied Pollock, man. He just he said, "Get off me." Okay, Matty. And then I think the second play, I think it was Lee, um, the center back who tried to, and he just ghosted past him, and then that ball into the middle. That probably I would say. I get look. Is 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 is, was Emiliano's easiest goal so far? He just had to put his foot there. No credit. No, he just (laughs) had to put his foot. Well, I mean, you have to give him credit for being in the right place. Exactly. But he literally did like here. He said, "Put it right here. Just put it right, right there. My foot's already there. Just hit it off my foot. It's gonna go in." (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, look, Matt really created his goal. Yes. Everything that happened about it, man. But. Even about that, the amount of Richmond kickers players that flooded into the box for that, yeah, because I think if if in 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 the unlikely situation that Emiliano misses that, uh, I think uh, who else was in there? Moape was in there. Kraft was in there. Yeah, yeah, Pavone was in there. So one of them would have gotten to it. It was it and it was a well placed ball. It was like there. I don't think. Uh, Jay had any time to really react because the ball came into Terzaghi with such pace 
and off of Tazaji's foot into the goal with such pace is how do you react to that? Yeah, it was it was an awesome goal, very great goal. But and and I and again, the, all the credit goes to Matt on that one. Matt Bodock was amazing, lights out on that play. Now, one thing I didn't think we would have to talk about is <laughs> corners and giving up goals off corners, but this. This one was just weird. Like, That's what I don't even think you can put the blame on anyone with it this It literally one. took me five times to go back and rewatch it and slow it down to figure out, like, what? Because the ball bobbles all over the place. It, it ended up everywhere. I think it was, I think it was Ian Antley. The was ball Ian gets Ant- to him, like, comes in from the corner. It was either Ian or Kyle. It was or one Kyle. One of the two. I don't remember. It was moving so fast. He tries to clear the no, ball it was, out. it was definitely Kyle. It, it was, was Kyle. Kyle? Yeah, it was okay. Kyle. He tries to clear the ball out and literally smacks it off of Fricky's face. And it smacks off of Fricky's face, hits the crossbar. Now, as it's going towards goal. Now, this is one thing that a lot of people may not realize. But the fact that Akira already had time to dive in reaction to something so weird shows you what type of goalkeeper Akira Fitzgerald is. He bought that light. <laughs> look, I'm, let me pull out this soapbox real quick. I need League One on filter. I need League One fun. I need USL. I need all these people to cover USL and the rest of you. Give Akira the respect that man deserves. Hey, thank you. <laughs> I mean, for him to already have gotten into a diving position, it bounces off the crossbar and I think off either his hand or the back of his head and goes in. So it's just the fact that he's because strangely enough, if he isn't there, that probably just bounces off the crossbar and in. Does this go back to your weird theory? About no, no, that would have gone in. That would have gone in. Because the way it hit the crossbar, that would have gone in anyway. It would have bounced past that line. And I was about to say, but I was saying, does this go back to your weird theory of if Akira's a bad goalkeeper? Mm, he <laughs> might get lucky. <laughs> no, in this situation, he wouldn't have gotten lucky. He wouldn't have gotten lucky. But just, this shows you that no one really made a mistake in this it situation. It wasn't like a, yeah, it wasn't like a Blair hole. The only thing... When I first saw it, I thought, I was like, well, maybe someone could have attacked it. But it was a cross that came in, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like you had to jump or it. It pretty much just came in, like, waist height. And Kyle was like, all and right, I'm going to just clear went, this out. And then it just hits Freaky. And, and, it's and the it literally just bounced off of Freaky's face. Freaky had no idea what was going on no. until the ball hit the back of the net. And he said, oh, goodness, then, I scored. No, you didn't. And, yeah, and the character gets a hand, it just hits off his face. I'm like... Man, <laughs> there's nothing you could do there. Yeah. There's nothing. There is nothing you could do in that situation. It was it maybe was, if Akira like grew the hair out a little bit more. Maybe the hair particles. Probably <laughs> out. And the thing was, is even going down. So you weren't at the game. No, I was. But even being in the stadium, um, of course, wearing my mask, you know, being safe out here in these streets, it didn't feel like as if I right, were doubted out. We're just gonna play for a draw. Yeah, you you saw the team kept attacking, kept going at it. Yes, and really the second goal is pretty much a whole embodiment of that. Of like, keep going, keep going, don't give up, oh, don't wow. quit. Because when so when the ball comes in, and I'm sitting there in the stands, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I, first of all, when I saw the goal, I thought Riley Kraft was outside. Like in my head, I was like, oh, he's off. <laughs> when I first saw it. Because um, I watched it, I, I I was able to catch it live at home. Um, but when I saw the goal, I had that same reaction. I was like, whoa, 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 "Was was Riley offside? Was he offside? No offside flag. He wasn't offside." And then I see the replay, and I'm like, "Oh, 
So he was just the only one to react yeah. to that. <laughs> so, okay, this goes back to my second important moment. Early in the, early in the game, uh, we got one minute, but Matt Baldock has a shot in the same exact spot that Luke has his shot from. Yeah. Matt Baldock shoots it, but I think it takes a deflection. It goes out of bounds, but Dallas A dives forward. Yes. This instance, Luke has the shot, and you can see Dallas he begins to dive. But he's like, oh, this is going out of bounds. I'm not going to go for it. And he kind of just stays on the ground for an extra second. That ball hits off the post. Riley Kraft is the only one to realize, like, he pretty much, he's making his run as Luke is shooting. Yeah. So while as Luke soon as Luke shoots, as soon as that ball left Luke's foot, he just, you he can see him start to, start to turn and start to glide yeah. into that space. Once it hit the post, oh, the Jets went on for yeah, that last Yeah, and by the yard. time it hits the post, Riley Kraft is literally already in his backswing. It is backswing to smash that, and he smashed it. He said, "This is going in. Yeah. You're not going to save it." And I think, <laughs> I think that why I think the reason why I bring up Matt shot earlier in the game is because Dallas J dives. So if Dallas J dives in this instance for the second goal. He might be he, in a position to, to save, save it or save the throw rebound. Riley Craft yeah. off enough to be like, "All right, where are our places at?" Yeah, since he kind of just stay flat footed, and by the time like it comes off the post, he can't react. Yeah, he can't because he's flat footed. And another thing is, you the way Luke Pavone turned to shoot, I I wasn't expecting him to shoot, oh, and I, I know <laughs> Dallas J was not expecting that shot to come. And that's probably one of the reasons why he was so flat footed and literally practically in a crouched position, just watching the ball hit off the post. Because I think a part of him was like, "Wait, he shot." Like <laughs> see the old dog. Oh wait, whoa, playboy! You supposed to be doing this? It's almost halftime. They're trying to be shooting from there. Like, yeah, this is that, and that was a good shot. It was a. It was from. It was from outside, just outside the eighteen. Yeah, man. Um, and Pavone receives the ball with his back facing goal and gets that quick turn, and the shot comes in. Dallas J can't react to that, but. Kudos to, to, to Riley Kraft for yeah, just just reacting to that, to anticipation. And that's that's one thing that is is hard to coach. Yeah. It's hard to coach into players. Um I'm speaking from experience because I've tried to hammer that into every striker that I've coached. Gamble. Gamble. If a shot's going in, even if it looks like it's going wide, even if it looks like the goalie's going to save it, keep going. Yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen. It's the one thing in basketball that they always teach you. Like, follow your rebound. Yeah. Like, go after it. Because you never know what can happen. Yeah. You know? Um, so, pretty much, we go into the second half. I do wish you were at the stadium. I was joking with Matt about how you would have been so excited to see Stanley come into the field. Yeah. I when, I saw, when I saw when I saw, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Is that... Stanley Stanley Alves, <laughs> Stanley Alves is getting his start. He's yeah. getting his game, and and to be honest with you, you could see a difference between him and Luke Pavone. They are two different types of number nines. Yeah, I think and that Stan to me has better hold up play. Exactly, Luke is better getting in behind. Getting in behind exactly and pressing. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a very different style of play. Not better, not worse, just different. And Which is not bad because at that it's, moment it's, you don't need someone lot. to get in behind. You need someone that can hold, hold the ball play. up and then lay it off to Bodog. Can lay it off to Terzaghi. Can lay, lay it, it off to Bolanos yeah. or Moape. I think that gives the kickers a different a, a different option. Yeah. 
because there are some teams playing with a striker that goes in behind is never going to work because they may have really fast center backs or they may be playing such a deep line that you can't get in behind. If you get in behind, the goalie's getting there first. Or then, even the case in point of last year where we had two number nines that were exactly the same. So exactly. We had to change Like for like changes. Exactly. We, it wasn't like we had we didn't have anyone that can get in behind or change the style of game. And and to to argue your point, we still have that. Because at the end of the day, Terzaghi is a run in behind striker if he's playing striker. Yeah. So if you if Luke Pavone needs a break and you still need a run in behind striker, just shift everyone around and put Terzaghi up top. Yeah. And you you have the same situation. But now you bring in Stanley Alves, that's a completely different aspect. You could, and, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Stanley came on after um, Terzaghi had already been subbed off? No, I think he's no, he off. No, he, he comes on first. Yeah. But, you know, you put in pace behind Stanley, oh, he's holding that ball up. And he's got some jets running past him. And he I just, feel like you just watch your son play for the first time. Like, you're so it's, it's like, Yeah, he's like, just, here you go. While you're running, why don't you just take that? Here you go. While you're running, you just take that. Like, that's the type of striker that it seems like Alves is. What are you going to do if he's, when he scores his first goal? Oh, I'm going uh, to probably get ejected from the stadium because I probably might run out onto the field. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I mean... You know, it wasn't going back into watching game. I didn't realize that Kraft came off of Cuomo. I just figured Kraft was still on the field. Yeah, no, no. Um, no, yeah, no. Cuomo, man, he had two shots. Ooh, he had one that was the sneak. I have to tip my hat to Dallas J because I... If Cuomo scored that, man, that might have been... Go- that one goal of the week. Two is goal a of contender, the year. A contender for goal of the Did he take it off the ball? No. But he took it in stride, and it looked like he was about to take a touch to move forward, and it just dinks over and curve. I was like, wait, that was a shot? I was like, Cuomo can shoot? <laughs> my, <laughs> my question is, did, that was a shot? Like, because, and to see Dallas J be able to react to that, because even, I can even imagine from the goalie standpoint, the way Cuomo is running towards that ball it looks like he's either going to take a touch four or maybe lay off a pass. Just his body language did not show he's going to shoot. So, big ups to Dallas J. I have to tip my hat off to Dallas J for being able to react to that when there is no way anyone expected that to be a shot. Exactly. And it was it was heading for the top corner. It was headed for the top corner. That was a beauty. And, well... Unfortunately, you know, Richmond can't never do anything easy. <laughs> Ian Ailey, who, by the way, played a great game. Awesome game. He had a very, very good game. Very great game. Um, got a red card. It was a double yellow. We finally figured out why it was a double yellow because pretty much uh, Cuomo's card was intended for Ian Ailey. Yeah. And then the second one, which I feel... The ref got it right. The announcers just got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> now, Ian's second yellow... I understand why it's a yellow. I oh help me understand why did did Ian have to step there? I don't he think he had to more? step. I don't think. Or was he, it just like that initial? Well, actually, if I really think about it, I think he felt he needed to step because the, the player was coming at him with pace. I don't remember which player it was that was uh, Keegan. I think it was Keegan. I'm yeah. pretty sure. So Keegan was coming at him with pace. Yeah. So. He doesn't know if 
if he beats Ian in that situation, that's a very dangerous situation. And so, Ian, I think, I, I fault that foul, I, I equate that foul to tired legs. Because you could see his thought process, step in front, get that ball, but you could see his muscles moving slower than his brain. And that is just, I think that was just tired legs. Yeah. And closer to the end of the game, not moving, just moving literally a split second slower than he would have. If it was, say, in the 35th minute. Yeah. Um, also, and when I say this point, I don't want you to look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm going to make this point. <laughs> Scott Thompson, Scotty Thompson reminds me a lot of Braden Troy last year being Mr. Reliable for this team. Because he, he's not going to do anything that shows up in the stat sheet. He's not going to get like the assist like Ian Alley did. Or he's not going to get like the last dish tackle like of... Flack or Cuomo or Kraft will get. But he's so reliable at that position that it kind of puts the ease and it allows the back line to more take more of that risk, more of that gamble. That is true. That is true. You know, no, I, I don't worry, I'm not looking at you crazy because okay. Scott Scotty <laughs> is is definitely been solid. But your your reference to Braden Troyer, yeah, basically. He he is a left back Braden Troyer basically. He he's he is what you need him to be in that moment. Yeah. Point blank period. No matter what it is. And he's handled he's I mean, he's been I'd say one of our most consistent players. Yeah. So far. I know we're what, six games in, but still. Like he's been he's been lights out. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing about it, too, is like this lineup is the same lineup that we've seen for the past couple of weeks. There hasn't been really big changes to it. Not really, yeah. Um, we are going to see changes <laughs> at the left-back spot. Akwe, who can play, I think we've seen him at striker now, CDM, center back. Now we're going to see him. We saw him at right-back in this game and right-mid. <laughs> yep. So we're probably going to see him at left-back and left-mid. The only thing we haven't seen Aqua yet is that goalkeeper. Right. That's it. Okay. <laughs> He's his own starting 11. Hey, um, look. We, and, and, hey, the, the, those that have been supporting the Richmond kickers for the longest time from the beginning can probably say that we've had that the kickers have had a player like that. Brian Kamler. He's played every position. <laughs> but at least Brian Kamler, according to Rob Ucrop, has played goalie before. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um... So yeah, so seeing seeing him in that circumstance playing a lapis is going to be interesting. I'm imagining this is going to be the same lineup that we see going to FC Tucson, which by the way is going to be a late game. It's ten thirty at night, so get your coffee. Oh, <laughs> it's going to be oh late. Um, I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Aqua. I, I wonder if they're going, to, they're going to allow Aqua to kind of push up the field like how they normally do with Ian Anley, or is it going to be like? A tight back four. Do we see the back three that we kind of all been thinking about with Aqua? Is there any chance for Darren to pull out that back three that I've been wanting to see? Uh, of uh, Magalas, Venter, and, and Aqua? It's this week. <laughs> I want to see. That, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. But my my. Because you got the reason. You, you have, you have the, the good three backs, the good three center backs, but who would be your wing backs? Because. As much as Scott Thompson has been lights out, I don't see him having the legs to play wing back, to be up and back, like to cover that much mileage. So I think, I do think, I do think you can put Scotty out there. 
if you if you go with a bad, I think you put Scotty out there, and also bold up play a little bit of that last year. That's true. That's so true. I think you can do it. But if you're playing three in the back, what's the rest of your formation? Are you playing a three five two? Or? That'll work out. <laughs> I just want to see the back there. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. <laughs> I know that's super <laughs> selfish to say. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. I just want to see that back three. I mean, it, it could be a back three, and you like you said, Thompson and 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 Bulldog playing as your wing backs. Uh, maybe a three four three. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I know that 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 has begun started to become a little you know popular that three four three. Because if you have a three four three, then you have uh, Scotty and Bulldog don't have to cover as much ground because you have the two wingers up top. Um, maybe Bolanos and Moape. I I don't think we've seen that pairing. Do you think your boy Stanley often. starts? It depends on what exactly we're trying to do. Um, it depends on what type of striker we need in that situation. I mean, against Tucson. And don't get me wrong. Like, Tucson isn't... I, I still tell people this a lot. Like, you can't judge these teams on their record so far. No. Because no one would have thought Revs 2 is beating Greenville. No. Midweek. No, 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 no. This, and this Tucson team did give us trouble in the last 20 minutes. Yes, they even did. Even though we were able to pressure them. Kind of the same thing happened to them against Junior Omaha, a little bit different circumstance. But FC Tucson has some dangerous attackers in Shaq Adams. You know. Yes, they do. They do. But um, in terms of their back line, I don't know. I, I think I think Luke Pabon gets the start because his pace could is really would be a lot of trouble for that yeah. back line, that yeah. Tucson back line. I think, and I think, I mean, Stanley. From what we gathered from the press conference, he was just coming back from injury and pull going at the right before the pandemic hit, and he was kind of working to get back in shape. So I, I think starting him might not be the best no, thing. No, no, I don't think bring he's him up ready the to start. Like he did in yeah. This game. yeah, yeah. But I think, I think Stanley is the type of player you put in when you either have a fast back line mm-hmm. that you're playing against or a on average, slightly shorter back line. Because then you have... I think Stanley Alves has more of the ability of bullying center backs in the air yeah. than Luke Pavone does. Yeah. And if you need someone who can be like an Olivier Giroud or a a Bobby Convey or something like that who can, you know, bully defenders in the air, hold up play, hold defenders off, and have the strength to do that, I think it would be Stanley Alves over Luke Pavone. So, it, it again, it, it always depends on what type of... And I love the fact that we have that variety. We have that ability to be like, oh, well, all right, the, their center backs are quick. Their <laughs> center backs are a little shorter. They're, they're, they have a lower center of gravity. Luke Pavone would struggle against that type of back line. Let's put in Stanley Alves. We're not going to hit the balls over. We're going to get them to him and have everyone else run around. Then, then that changes, and it's just a slight tweak. You're getting in a situation where, rather than getting the ball and running down the wing, and trying to look for for the ball through, for Luke Pavone, you have someone like Moape or Matt Bulldog kind of tucking in a little bit more, and maybe when Stanley Alves receives that ball, holds up play, then they run past him and he just lays it off. Yeah, and it's it's just a slight difference. The midfield would act the same way, back line would act the same way. 
And then you could even get to the situation where Moape doesn't have to take players on from the wing. Matt Bodak doesn't have to take players on from the wing. Just get past your, your fullback and cross it in. Stanley Alves has the height to put the ball in the back of the net. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it, it's exciting when you see that variety that we have. It's exciting. And then... We've come a long way from the days of doing a podcast and be like, you sure you want to talk about this game? <laughs> I don't know, but I think we have to. <laughs> that, that used to be like a conversation like every week. Like, you sure you want to? It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think FC Tucson is going to be, it's going to be an interesting game. I think the best thing that works out for us is the fact that when kickoff happens, it'll be around the same time the kickoff is normally here on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So we won't have to battle like jet lag or anything like yeah. that. Now, the Chattanooga game, the following When they week, come back, well, gonna, at least they'll have a whole week. Yeah, but yeah. Then it's still kind of conservative. Chattanooga will have to go up midweek to refs to, and then come back home to play. Richmond will go out to Chattanooga on Saturday, but we play the game at 1 o'clock, and that's in the dead heat in Tennessee. <sighs> Which, by the way... It's a lot like here in, in Richmond, and it's just muggy, hot, and, and just... It feels like the heat is an actual physical I don't think I've ever seen a breeze in Chattanooga yet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, I think by the time they kick on that game, it'd be, what, a 12? So, that might be a little bit delayed. But, I think if Richmond could get past FC Tucson, gets past Chattanooga with the halfway point, I think that's when we then can really make a determination. Can this team challenge... I have, or the top two spots? or I personally team? think based off of their performance so far, I think I could, we can already say that they can challenge for those top two spots. The kickers have looked deadly. Like, we have looked like a tough nut to crack, first of all, with our back line. Secondly, I can see we're, we're a hassle for defenses. We're, we're really, especially with the high press, that um um that Darren has set up so far it it's it's gotten to the point where teams are scared to play against the kickers and that's that's what we wanted we wanted a situation where people aren't looking at a game against the Richmond kickers as worst case scenario we draw you know <laughs> 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 It's like, if everything goes south, we'll have a tie. We'll at least get a point. But we've gotten to the point where any game against the Richmond Kickers, it's basically to the point where it's like, okay. It's pedals on the metal. Yeah. You know, and shouts out to Darren. We got two trophies now. And I think the biggest thing about it is Jason on League One Fun said it. He's like, the biggest difference in the Richmond Kickers is where they're pretty much winning the ball at. Last year, we were winning the ball, but we would be... 30 yards within our own half and then had to build play. Yeah. Versus this year, we're wearing about 30 yards within their half and, and now one, two touches, we're in, in on goal. We're in on goal. We're creating more <laughs> chances. Um, our back line is getting more rest because of that. And that was one of our biggest issues last season. Our back line was solid, but they can only do but so much, but you know for how so long. looked at me crazy when I told them that. They were like, oh man, you're... Your defense is just bad. Like, no, they're tired. <laughs> no, they they, are, they probably, man for man, were probably one of the best defenses in USL League One. But when you don't, when you aren't protected by a high press or an organized midfield or, you know, possession, yeah. 
it, it wears on you. It wears, wears on, you. on you. It wears on you. And, yeah, you're refreshed by the next game. And that's why there were very few games last season where we were scored on early on. It'd take probably end of the first half or into the second half before teams were able to break through because by then, Shinovsky's done. Akwe is done. Ivan is done. It's it, it got to the point where it was like, it, we can't handle this anymore. Lockerbie would, with, you know, trying to be involved with the attack but having to gun it all the way back to get involved with the defensive side of things. I mean, he can only do that but for so long, you know, before he's like, you know what, I'm not sprinting back anymore. I'm not doing it. Doing it no more, man. It's hard. Oh, um, yeah. All right. So... With this win, Richmond is three points behind Greenville, who still has, I think, two games in hand on us. Yeah. So um, with with two games in hand, and with our the way we've been playing, we have the possibility of of, yeah. of being on top. And versus what I said last week, because remember, like I said last week, I was like, if Greenville wins that Revs two game and beat us, you can lock them in. Like it's a lock, and I think yeah. now it kind of opens that door. It back opens up. it up because they, I think, them and South Georgia have the most games, and South Georgia are in fourth. Yeah. So they they're at a point right now where, I mean, with two yeah. games, anywhere, either us or Union Omaha could over could, you know, yeah. overtake them. And I think um, the most important thing also is the fact that Union Omaha is right behind us. Yeah. They're the only unbeaten team left in USL League One, and <clears throat> you got to give them their credit. Being an expansion team, you know, being a new franchise, being undefeated, it's big to be in this part of the season. Um, and we play them, I think, in four weeks, if memory serves it correct. I think in four weeks we play them. So mm. that's going to be another big task as well. It, it, we play them at their place, so it's going to be big. You know, on a baseball field where we don't have a lot of success on baseball fields. <laughs> yep. So Out in Nebraska. Right. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, before different we time up, zone, no. baseball field, <laughs> and we know what we had to deal with baseball field last year. Yeah. With, um, Lansing. Lansing, yes. <laughs> Hopefully they take care of theirs a little better than Lansing. No, they have. It, they took care of it. It's, okay, it's been looking, because it's that, looking, that field at Lansing to this good. day, it pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else out of you, man, before we wrap up? Um. And got some announcements. I don't think so. I think I'm again. I'm excited with the way the kickers are playing right now. Yeah, they're looking good. That's two goals in two games for Kraft. I think more will come. I can't wait for Luke Pavone's first goal because once he does, the floodgates will open. Um, Like I said, man, he got to don't he got to kiss the woodwork when he scores. That should be his goal. I told you, off the (laughs) post and in, off the post and in is gonna be his first goal. <laughs> Watch his first bowl go be right down the middle. Right. <laughs> um, so for everyone that's been supporting our podcast, we just to say a big thank you to you. Um, this week on Can I Kick It? If you haven't followed that, make sure you do. Uh, we're gonna have an interview with the newly formed USL Black Players Association, um, talking to prominent members in that organization about what they're looking to do and how they're looking to impact change. And we got. Two other episodes of Can I Kick It that we're recording. 
why am I saying that? Like, I'm quite saying that we just talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do uh episode on George Weah that we're going to be dropping. And President George Weah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Eddie Pope of the U.S. Men's National Team. So we got those two uh, episodes coming out very, very soon. So keep your eye out on those. As always, like, share, subscribe to the podcast. It helps us out. Tell your friends about it. Yes. Um, for any new Richmond Kickers fans on Twitter, on Facebook, reach out to us. We're not like super impersonal. We're cool people. Reach out to us. Let us know how you're enjoying the show and everything like that. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RiverCity93. So, with that being said, this is Elliot. This is Shanir. Keep us on the good side, guys. We'll highlight you later. Peace.